welcome back to our fifth episode of Voices of Biotech. Before I introduce our next episode, I'm delighted to say we are now bringing you this podcast twice a month, so there'll be much more content made available to you soon. In this episode, I sit down with cell and gene therapy expert and consultant, Lara Silverman. In our conversation, we discuss different career paths, the benefits of mentoring and being mentored, and Lara's own webinar series called I Wish I Had Known in which she has created a safe space for women to discuss the challenges they have faced in their career. So welcome, Lara. It's lovely to have you here today. I'm very excited to have you as a guest on this podcast. To start off with, could you give the listeners a bit of background about yourself and your career and you run your own consulting company now and it'd be great to kind of hear where you are today with that. Sure, I'm really excited to meet with you today. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, so I am a scientist by training. I have a PhD in biomedical engineering. Um, I got my PhD at Penn, which was an amazing experience um, with Rob Mock doing orthopedic tissue engineering, specifically in the knee. And after getting my PhD, um, I joined an allogeneic cell therapy company as um, the head scientist, and I was there for 10 years. Um, It was a very educational experience. I got to oversee everything from process development to analytical method development. I did all the regulatory writing. Um, I helped set up the clinical trial. I did intellectual property development. So it was a really expansive role, Um, and and I learned a lot in, in those years. Um, About two years ago, I decided to set up my own consulting business, Um, and and I did this for very specific reasons. Um, Spending 10 years doing the same science is really beautiful because you get very, very deep into the work, Um, and you really know every corner and and every thought pattern that can be thought in that space. (laughs) Um, But there's also great beauty in taking a step back and getting to... Um, participate in many, many different areas of science uh, as they relate to cell and gene therapy and translating products into the clinic. And so um, as a counterpoint to those 10 years, um, consulting gives me the chance to participate in a lot of different types of science, which has been really interesting. And and I've also noticed um, the interesting thing with consulting is you see patterns between companies really, really quickly. Um, and so I can spot similar trends and and call them out more quickly for groups. Um, And for me, that's been really fun and exciting. So uh, my consulting business now, um, just to sort of explain what I do, is I I work with early stage cell and gene therapy companies and um, I can serve three roles. I can write development plans to figure out how to get this cool new widget, this cool new idea into humans. Turns out that's not easy. Um, (laughs) I can also do remediation because things do go badly sometimes and I can come in and try to work through challenges and issues. And the third thing I do is I serve as a part-time employee, uh, which especially now in in when it's hard to hire and and budgets are tight, um, sometimes a six-month part-time employee is is really beneficial for these early stage companies. So when you say you're a part-time employee, does that mean you kind of go to other companies and work with them sort of in-house for six months? Yes, exactly. So I can join the team, I'll join team meetings and um, help manage CDMOs and CROs and um, sort of do the day-to-day stuff that needs to happen. Um, it's it's one thing to lay out a plan, it's another thing to actually uh, execute on that plan. So um, mm-hmm. I like to do both of those things. 
that must be such a great way as well for you to sort of like you said before see such a variety of different science yeah and different companies and meet so many different people yeah it's fascinating um how many different styles of teams there are out there and consulting is the best way to learn how to optimally work in each of those environments um, especially in the early startup stage you tend to get either a lot of business people who don't know much about the science or a lot of scientists that don't know much about the business um, and they each come with their unique challenges and setbacks um, <laughs> and it's really fun to work with each of those types of teams do you think you'll ever go back to sort of straight science or do you think consulting is your preference you know for me science is beautiful because it results in treatments for patients. Um, it cures disease. Uh, you know, I never was one to revel in pipetting for 12 hours straight. Um, <laughs> I do love pouring over data sets. I'm not going to lie. I'm still a nerd like that. But for me, I think my niche is really in that translational section and being able to explain complex science in a simple way to business people and, and then also being able to connect with scientists and explain some of the business aspects to them. Um, there's a certain mm -hmm. personality type that's like mine that fits into this space. Um, mm. And it's really fun when you can sort of thrive in that area. Um, yeah. So for me, yeah, this this middle place is is great for me. I bridging really, the gap. <laughs> yes, bridging the gap is really fun. Um, and it's taken me many years to kind of find that niche for myself. You know, I think I um, today I spend a lot of time mentoring younger folks, um, those in graduate school or early in their career. And I think it's really important to spend time reflecting on what you enjoy doing and, and what wakes you up in the morning and gets you going and mm -hmm. not just sort of taking for face value what your position is at that moment but really trying to figure out what you like to do what you're good at and then steering your career towards being able to do that in, in a proactive way not in a passive way really trying to seek mm -hmm. out what you're good at and what you like to do um, that's something that I've been working on and it's uh, really resulted in first of all I don't have the Sunday scaries which is awesome. <laughs> I don't have Sunday scaries anymore. Yes. <laughs> You're uh, one of the few. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's, it's, girl, it took a long time to get here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, um, but also I find myself more productive because I really enjoy the work that I do. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important thing to focus on at every stage of your career. You know, are you, are you the best version of yourself right now? Are you doing the work you really enjoy? And having those check-ins with yourself and sort of testing your happiness in a sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a tendency sometimes to wait for your annual review to reflect on your performance and to reflect on where you're doing well and where you're not doing well. And also a tendency to rely on your boss to tell you those things. Um, I strongly discourage relying on your annual review to, to guide <laughs> your career path because, you know, there that annual review uh, serves a function and that is to um, keep employees on track for the goals of the company, right? Um, mm. They want to succeed with their corporate milestones and, um, you know, they want to have roles filled that achieve the goals that they've set out to to achieve. Um, those always don't always align with your own personal goals and your own personal needs. And so I think it's really critical, um, as we've sort of mentioned, to slow down, take a moment every year or six months and, you know, do a little brain dump on a Word file and just write down, you know, what's working, what's not, what are you good at, what do you need to focus on, set some goals for yourself that are not, you know, um, related to a deliverable at the office, you know, find some goals that are about you and your own personal development. Mm. Um, that gives you um, ownership of your development and empowers you to um, really grow in a way that's suitable for yourself and not just, you know, 
fits into the mold that you've happened to be employed into at that moment. <laughs> Setting your own personal milestones in that yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really critical. And just going back to something that you mentioned previously about mentoring young women, could you tell me a bit more about that? Sort of what form does this mentorship take? What does that look like? I think mentorship is our key to digging ourselves out of this hole of not having women in leadership, actually. I really think it's critical. Um, Women are notoriously not great at supporting other women. And I hate to say it, but it's true. Um, And we need to more proactively think about how to bring along other women. And I think mentorship is a really key way to do that. Um, More broadly, everyone should find a mentor um, because the truth is the challenges you're facing have been faced before. And it's really hard to always start from scratch. And it's really hard to always try to figure it out by yourself. Um, Chances are someone's been through exactly what you've been through. So when you think about finding a mentor, I think there are two really key things. The first is to find someone outside of your organization. That's really important because if you have someone inside of your organization or if it's your manager, then there's a power imbalance. And you can't be assured that the advice that you're getting is entirely for your benefit. So unbiased. unbiased. Yeah, it's really important to find um, a mentor outside of your organization. The other reason is because um, uh, especially at organizations that are very culture heavy, uh, once you start drinking your own Kool-Aid, as we say in the States, um, you can sort of have the veil go over your eyes. And there could be things happening that people inside the organization are so used to um, that you don't even notice that they're maybe causing you know, you to feel bad or it's the right thing, the wrong thing for you. So I think it's really important to have a mentor outside of your organization. I think the other important thing is to find mentors, mentor or mentors that have some shared um, experience or history, especially if you're struggling in a specific area, like um, if you're LGBTQ or if you're a woman, um, chances are you've experienced similar biases or challenges. So it's good to find somebody with a shared experience who you can openly talk to about these sensitive um, or sticky issues and you won't feel judged and you'll feel like they understand what you're saying. Um, So I I think it's really important. And I think as we grapple with the fact that, you know, we really have a lack of women in leadership in this space, um, if we could potentially talk about some of these hard issues facing women, um, Mm -hmm. I think that we could as as a community, um, root out some of the bad behavior and also have some best practices for managing when it feels like women are not being promoted or being put down or or there's, you know, unconscious bias happening that's resulting in them not being in leadership positions. Um, you know, it's it's little things, stopping little things, I think, will help the big picture and help us, you know, end up in a place where um, we don't have to talk about, you know, putting women in boards and putting women in the executive teams. We really yeah. still do have to talk about that in this space. And it's tick boxing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you don't just want to hire a woman because you are you have to hire a woman. Like, let's get to a point where we can just say, oh, this person has a really strong background in this kind of science. And, you know, mm-hmm. the goal is to get past this. And until we talk about it and, and until we help those around us manage it, um, it's going to continue to be a problem. Um, and mm-hmm. and it is it is hard. It's hard to call out misogyny when it happens. It's hard to admit that stuff happened to you. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I run this monthly webinar um, where we have different women who are successful in biotech from academia and industry come and talk about their experiences. And 
um, some of the time we talk about issues related to being a woman, not all the time, but sometimes. Um, but it and it's still a very taboo subject. You know, we don't record this conversation because many women on my podcast or on the webinar rather have requested not to be recorded. They don't want to mm-hmm. go on record talking about the fact that they feel like it's been a challenge to be a woman. They don't want to be that woman. And until yeah. that stigma goes away, you know, we're going to keep burying bad behavior and, and we're going to continue with a culture where women aren't represented at the board level and at the executive level, or if they are, it's a checkbox, like you said. So these webinars, are they kind of interviews with you and your guest? So the format um, is a little atypical. The idea is it is it's just an informal discussion between me and this other person. And the reason I, I started it is because I felt like I didn't I hadn't had the opportunity to hear advice and stories from women who came before me um, and to hear them talk about, you know, not the the boring stuff, but the hard stuff, the tricky stuff. Um, And I started actually reaching out to people and having these conversations. And I, I, I felt like I was gaining so much excellent advice and perspective. And I thought, okay, how can we amplify this experience and give it to other people, especially younger people who maybe don't have the network that I've built up because I'm later in my career. Um, and so that was really the why I started the webinar series. So it's very informal. Um, you know, people will ask mm-hmm. questions in the chat box. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that particular person's career path and, and uh, highlight some stories, some experiences where they've learned something or mm-hmm. they wanted to communicate something to the audience. Um, and, you know, it's it's really for that speaker to sort of guide what what areas they want to cover. And as I said, sometimes it's very much about, you know, how to deal with misogyny. But a lot of times it's really not. It's how do you transition from one job to the next? And, you know, it, it do you like working in academia or industry? And, um, you know, how did you grow as a manager? It's not always about being a woman, which is the point. Um, it's really about just mentorship and hearing stories of other people and growing and not just getting stuck in, you know, the same patterns again and again and mm-hmm. not feeling alone. You know, um, as I said, your career path has been taken by many people. So let's <laughs> let's listen to that career path and get some advice from it. I think it's really interesting as well that you you don't record these because mm-hmm. I think it really creates much more of an element of a safe space that sometimes other platforms, other networking spaces might not offer you. And I signed up for it, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's the next one next Wednesday. Is that yes, right? The next one yeah, next I'm excited. My first yeah. one. So. Well, it's great to have the opportunity to speak openly, but it also says something profound about our cell gene therapy culture that we need this safe space, right? Yeah. Why can't we talk about these things? Why is it taboo for a female CEO to say, you know what, sometimes I feel like people don't look at me the same because I'm a woman. Like, Mm. until we could talk about these things openly and recognize that in certain instances they happen, we're never going to fix it. Now, the Mm. good news is it doesn't always happen. There's a lot of wonderful companies out there. There's a lot of really supportive people, great male allies. There's a lot of people who've never even experienced that. And I also love hearing those stories. It's just when it does happen, how do we create a supportive environment and how do we offer some advice to those people to manage it proactively in the moment rather than letting it propagate to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. We we want to see women ascending to leadership positions. And that is going to be mm-hmm. our metric for success, right? And, you know, it's easy to just look on 
the podiums at conferences or look on the websites of companies and see it's really all men. The mm. question is why. And as that shifts, I think we'll reach a point where this isn't an issue anymore. But right now, today, objectively, it still is. And I kind of wanted to touch on something that you said a while back about this idea of women supporting women and how that mm-hmm. still needs to happen more because I think it's very easy in these discussions for it to come across or for people to sort of seem that it's you know a straight gender war and that's kind of that's not the point of these conversations that's mm-hmm. not constructive. You know why are we here why do we show up every day to work we're trying to do good science we're, we're trying to land the good contract mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to build the good teams um, all of this stuff is a distraction. These emotional issues where you feel like, you know, you're not being heard because you're African-American or you're gay. These are distractions, right? And so the sooner you can learn tools to manage those or you can gain the maturity to walk away, which I think is mm-hmm. a very important um, empowerment tool that we don't talk about enough. <laughs> um, the sooner you can do that, the sooner you can get back to your work. That, that's mm-hmm. what we're here to do. We're here to work. Um, and, you know, as I reflect back on my career, um, I wonder if I had had a mentor um, who gave me advice and sort of was a sounding board for me that maybe I would have left a situation. Um, mm. I think that we are naive to assume that people can change. And a lot of times the most powerful thing you can do if you're in an environment that you that doesn't resonate with you or that you feel like doesn't let you do your job a lot of times the most powerful thing you can do is to leave and that's scary but the truth is there's lots of other employment opportunities especially in our field Um, and if you're not the best version of yourself then what's the point go find Mm. another position where you are wonderful um, and you know you feel like you can get your work done productively Mm. Um, and so you know building relationships with people where they can give you honest feedback um, often women and women, you know, because sometimes these issues are related to gender. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's a really good way to help you um, stay on a positive track in your career. Um, and and look, however young you are, there's always someone who wants to be you, right? Even if you're like fresh out of undergrad, um, there's an undergrad who wants to be you, right? You always have an opportunity to mentor. And um, you gain a lot from Um, being mentored, but you also gain from mentoring because it forces you to stop and pause and reflect and think about your experiences and look at someone else's situation and sort of provide input Mm -hmm. to it. So I think it's beneficial in all directions and and especially for women where we know we have this issue where we're not promoting women and in certain situations, they're still finding themselves in difficult environments. Um, The best thing we can do is pull our arms together and help each other out um, and do that in a proactive way, both up and down. And I guess sort of talking about the idea of if you're in a situation that's making you unhappy or feels like a toxic work environment and, you know, this idea of having the power to leave, what advice would you give to anyone who is in that situation is looking for a new position? So, so as I mentioned, I think um, leaving is a really powerful thing to do um, when you're unhappy at your job. Um, recognize that and, and take the initiative to find a new position. Now, when you're looking for a new role, um, there are a couple of things you need to keep in mind. Um, 
The first is that when you join an organization, chances are their culture is very set. And it's going to be pretty clear when you show up for your interview what that organization is all about. Um, what do they care about? You know, what is what is the pace? What is the culture? Um, it is your responsibility as the person applying for the job to figure out what that culture is and figure out if it matches what you want in your day to day. Um, and that means, you know, ask your prospective boss some tough questions, um, some sticky questions, see how they react. If you're the if you're very touchy feely and you want to, you know, always be thinking about your personal growth and you know, working through hard things, then start asking those questions at your interview, because if your potential boss cringes, that's probably not the place for you, you know. And also uh, make sure you take advantage of that lunch or the the drinks after the interview with your coworkers, your with your f- potential future coworkers. That's probably the most important part of your interview visit, because that's the time uh, when you can start to say, so what's it really like working here? And you know, I noticed yes. there's like not a lot of women on this team or, mm-hmm. you know, I noticed everyone on this team is super young, whatever. And just start to try to pick apart what this team is and what the culture is. That is your chance to do that. Um, I think the third thing you need to do is listen very carefully and read very closely. What are the high level aspirational things that the company is writing about or talking about? Sometimes they have their five words on the wall. Maybe their website has some sort of mission. Um, really look at that and and then try to see, especially during your interview, are they actually embodying that in some way or are those words hollow? You know, those are really important things to interrogate in an interview process. Um, as someone who is a, not a white male, um, I also would recommend looking at the composition of the executive team and the board. And if they all look the same and nothing like you, uh, in some instances, not all, In some instances, that could be a red flag. And so that's something to maybe probe a little bit more carefully. So, you know, it's it's on the person looking for the job to do their due diligence on their new prospective employer. Um, And that takes time and that takes effort. But, you know, if we spend so much of our time (laughs) at work um, and so much, especially as scientists, our, our heart and soul and spirit and sometimes every waking moment you're thinking about the research that you're doing. So it, it really is on you to make sure that it's a culture that you can thrive in. And mm-hmm. um, if it's not, if you made a mistake, that's okay. It's time to move on again. Um, but mm-hmm. if that keeps happening, you know, maybe you need to consider something like an, um, like a career coach um, because maybe, maybe as Taylor Swift says, <laughs> the problem is <laughs> sometimes we hit some bad patterns and and bad habits. And, um, you know, you can't always blame it on everybody else. And so doing some self-reflection, I think, um, is also a really important step. Um, At the end of the day, our goal is to thrive at work, right? We want to be happy. Mm -hmm. We want to be productive. That's what we want to do. And I I reject the notion that it's impossible to find a great career. You know, there's a way Mm -hmm. for you to find a great career, uh, but it just takes a little bit of work. And it's kind of bringing that idea of when you're going to interviews, you're interviewing them as much as Very they're much. analyzing yeah. you. It's a it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know we bring you know especially scientists in this field, but those with business expertise, we have a very unique set of skills and they're very desirable. Um, And and you need to remember that you are a catch, and you know the interview goes both ways. And and in some sometimes you may interview somewhere and it seems great, but if the culture doesn't fit you if the morals and the values aren't the same, you're not going to thrive, irrespective of how cool the science is or how high the paycheck is. Um, 
at the end of the day, you you need to feel comfortable in that community. And there's lots of different types of ways to operate and a lot of different types of moral structures that these companies work in. And you just need to find the one that's right for you. And I guess sort of for you taking a step back, is there anything that you wish you had known that you could tell your younger yeah. self? That's the name of my podcast. I wish I had yeah. known. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Because, you know, I, I think that, you know, certainly our our culture glorifies the grind and it glorifies put your head down and just keep swimming. And that can be very productive in some ways. Um, but I think it also can set you up for being taken advantage of in some ways. Um, that blind faith and that that blind passion, I think um, it also has its risks. And so making sure that you're balancing your passion with taking care of yourself and recognizing, as we've discussed, your own career goals, your own career path, um, and and sort of being able to also detach yourself from that and recognize when maybe mental health or your physical health um, you know, if, if we if we are not healthy, we cannot bring the best version of ourselves to mm-hmm. the work environment. Um, and and that does include physical health and that does include mental health. You know, we've seen this big shift in recognizing that um, therapy is OK and that mental health tools are beneficial and they're not tab- they're not as taboo as they used mm-hmm. to be. We have to take care of ourselves. Um, and certainly in a startup environment where budgets are tight and um, timelines are tight and people work furiously together, you know, 24 seven, um, you know, things can get very complicated and heated. And so if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't um, be a good participant in that journey. Right. Because you're bringing your own baggage or your own issues or whatever the case may be to that story. Um, so especially in if you're dealing with a startup situation, I think taking care of yourself is really important. And, you know, we get that advice as moms when you have a baby, like, take care, of, take care of yourself. As yeah. a mom. Take care of your yeah. baby. I think that's true in, in work as well. Um, they're not separate. Um, you know, to be the best employee, you, you need to take care of yourself. I mean, look, that advice is even with dating. Right there. People always yeah. say, like, finding a boyfriend is not going to fix you. Find Like you need to take care of yourself first and then you can. Yeah. Tell off to somebody else like it's kind of a consistent thread of advice um you have to take care of yourself first and then all this other stuff will will happen and and you know you'll find your path in your career you'll find fulfilling work um you'll land in teams that you like um but it has to start from a place of health and and taking care of your mental and physical well-being it's really important and coming from yourself as well you know putting yourself in that position that you mm-hmm. then can offer to other people mm-hmm. and- exactly not running yourself dry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Have there been um, any hard truths that you've come across in your career? Um, so I think the first thing I would say, and, and this is something that I, I actually have learned from the webinar series, mm-hmm. is that there is no one career path. There's no right path. There's no right way. Um, and whatever step you take next, um, let it be something that builds upon what you just did, but it doesn't have to be the thing that takes you to whatever your ultimate goal is, if you even have that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that we stress a lot about, you know, forks in the road and what we want to do next. And, And sometimes you just don't need to worry that much because whatever your path is, that's what it is. And it's going to be great. And, 
you know, speaking to all these women in the webinar, they all have such interesting, unique, curving, arcing pathways, and they've learned from each of those steps. And um, even the missteps, actually, those sometimes are more valuable because it really then course corrects you for the next multiple decades of your career because it says, mm -hmm. oh, I really don't want to do this or I really don't want to work with those type of people. Um, mm -hmm. Those experiences, while in the moment are difficult, they actually really help you get on track. Um, and and teach you a lot uh, from pain comes wisdom as they say <laughs> um, so, so that that's a hard truth I, I think the other hard truth is um that things can go really wrong and um you need to there are moments in your life when you need to accept that and um you know not and find ways to forgive what happened because as it turns out um everyone has things go wrong in their career <laughs> and you'll have a FDA rejection. You'll have a facility fail. Um, you know, it's um, qualification. These mm. things are going to happen. You're not going to get the promotion you want. This is part of the journey. And when you can let go of tying that to your personal worth, you can move through these experiences a lot easier and you don't have to feel so alone. Um, you know, you always want to grow from them and learn from them, but um, they aren't who you are. They just actually are the process. Um, everybody mm -hmm. is going to be told no and have setbacks and screw up. And um, the sooner you can accept that, the uh, sooner yeah. you can be a little more mellow, <laughs> a little yeah. happier. Enjoy the journey rather than yeah, the end point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it's interesting with consulting now because I kind of swoop in for three to six months I have to enjoy the journey because I actually don't often get to see that final um, reward or that final gold star or that final approval. Um, so it's actually been really helpful for me to have to learn how to enjoy the journey. I was always very goal oriented. I always envisioned, you know, the approval or the thing that would be the final finishing, uh, you know, the the finishing the 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 race that line. And I've actually. Um, you know, that's a very difficult thing to put your happiness on because a lot of times, especially big finish lines, you're not fully in control of those big finish lines. May it be selling the company, may it be getting a BLA. There's so many other factors, other people, regulatory environment, you know, there's like all these other things, funding environments that you can't control. And so if you tie your happiness to those events and you can't control your events, well, guess what? You're not in control of your happiness. That's no good. You don't want that. If you can find a way to make sure that your day-to-day, -day, your journey is the thing that's bringing you joy and and giving you satisfaction, it just leads to maybe getting rid of those Sunday scaries like I talked about. You know, it's <laughs> it's a much calmer way to, to live. And I'm not saying to not be passionate about those goals. Of course, that's still what you want to do. And um, passion is a beautiful thing, but sort of being a little more proactive and channeling the passion and making sure that you're not going to crumble if something out of your control isn't successful, you know, find things that you can control that that you can celebrate and enjoy. Um, mm. And and I think that makes the day to day uh, a, a lot better. I think that's quite a good takeaway message for, for people to have. And just bringing it kind of back to the theme of mentoring that we've spoken consistently about. Has there been anyone that's been a mentor to you or who's championed your career? Yes. So. I 
made an effort to reach out to a number of women um, in our space, uh, maybe a decade or two older than me in the last few years. And I was really um, appreciative and grateful that categorically everyone always said yes. When I out of the blue said, hey, I'm Laura. I would love to pick your brain for half an hour. I have some questions. So what I've noticed is that the that women really are open to at least a first conversation in our field. Um, and and that really opened my eyes to not feeling as alone and um, hearing that some of my experiences have been experienced before. It's what motivated me to start this webinar. Um, so I think that people are open to it. We just don't really have a mechanism or a culture to promote mentorship. Um, and so I think that the more we talk about it and the more we encourage it, it could become sort of a more natural part of our community. And so, yes, absolutely, there's a number of, of women in our field who have been very gracious with their time. Um, I would say also, you know, my sister, she's um, six years older than me. Um, she's been a great support as well. And it's interesting. She's in a very different field. She's in digital health. And it's been interesting to compare and contrast our experiences across the fields. And some mm -hmm. things are very similar and some things actually are quite different. You know, communities move in certain trajectories. Um, and and she was a great sounding board for me, um, especially before I had the opportunity, I had the guts, let's say, to reach out to other women in our field, because mm -hmm. it really did take some guts to cold call these really established women, these CEOs and say, yeah, hey, definitely. let's talk about these hard things. Um, she was someone that I, I really um, admired and was able to get a lot of um, advice from, especially around this concept of dispassion. She really coached me through learning some of these subjects that have helped me um, feel much more calm in my in my day to day work environment. Um, so, you know, you can find mentors everywhere. There could be they could be right in your family. They can be mm -hmm. someone you spot on LinkedIn. Um, if you if you need support, um, start throwing it out into the universe and chances are you'll find what you're looking for with a little with a little bit of, of proactive movement. I think that's a lovely point to sort of finish on. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really lovely to speak with you. Thank you. It was really fun. I appreciate the opportunity to share some of my thoughts and look forward to speaking with you more on this. And I'll see you at your webinar next week. Fantastic. See yes. you there. <laughs> <laughs>